Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. Welcome to Nick Myers, head lacrosse coach at Ohio State University. Nick, welcome to the Philosophy Podcast. It's awesome to have you on board here, and it's great to catch up with you. I appreciate you having me. Excited to be uh, on and uh, have an opportunity to chat with you some. And uh, looking forward to just uh, sharing a little bit more about Ohio State lacrosse and, and obviously uh, chatting more about JM2 sports. Yeah, totally. Hey, I'm really, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time, you've told me a lot about this, but I'm really interested, and I think all the people listening will be too, about your um, methods for developing culture and leadership within your program. I think it's one of the amazing things that you guys do, and I'd like to hear about it again and, and share that with our listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a hot topic in, in sports, and I think, um, you know, as leaders, we all uh, have to spend time, you know, each year, especially in the off season. It's funny. We, we just talked as a staff, our, as a coach, our calendar for reflection is really that kind of June to June, you know, and, and that's our, our year where the season typically ends somewhere in May, you hope towards the end of May. And then prior to going out and recruiting and, and doing all the things that you do in the off season, uh, there is a period there where you need to really reflect and assess, you know, what kind of a year do we have and, um, you got to look way beyond the, the, the wins and losses. You got to evaluate your captains. You got to evaluate your staff. You have to certainly evaluate yourself. And that's where you should probably start as a coach uh, and really look deeper into the kind of culture that you have. You know, where were things um, really positive? One of the things that we do at the end of the year after our last game is we survey the team. You know, we ask some questions about what was some of your favorite moments? Uh, what was your favorite team builder that we did? Um, you know, what was your relationship like with your head coach, your position coach? Uh, we asked them to rank and grade, you know, our, our leadership um, uh, player to player and then staff to player. And we tell the guys we, uh, they can put their name on it. They like or they don't, they don't feel like they have to be compelled to do that. Most do. Um, but it's really raw. It's right at the end of the year. And it gives us as coaches a really great starting point to say, okay, where, where, where are we really right on the money? Um, and where do these young men feel like we have areas to improve? And they're usually pretty honest, and they're pretty critical of both the coaching staff, but but, but probably more so themselves of, of where they needed to be better. Uh, they give you some really good positives. You know, here are the things, coach, that we thought were really important uh, that were defining moments. So that's uh, that's one thing that we do, and I'm kind of working backwards to kind of kickstart the new year. And what we've done already, we're, we're at the end of June right now. We're getting close to the end of June. We've had two conference calls with our guys. We have a leadership council, and that's something that you've heard. I'm sure a lot of teams do a variation of that. But we have representation from our sophomore, junior, and senior class currently. Uh, and we'll add a freshman or two uh, once we get back to the fall. But we take that survey, and we kind of roll right into these conference calls. We start our off season. You know, these guys get group meetings going, and we start discussing the importance of you know, how do we build on last year and, and where are the areas that we need to improve and, and how do we do that? Uh, a big part of our culture in the summertime right now is just connectivity, you know, getting young men to, to call. And we had a, our last call, we assigned, you know, signed guys to each other and they, they're picking up the phone, they're not texting and they're, they're calling each other. Hey man, listen, how the workout's going? How's your family? 
um, you know, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And then they, they, they report back to us when we get on the call uh, or to each other, I should say, just about how, how everybody's feeling. So I think it's got to start with you as a coach. You have to be, be able to self-assess and take feedback. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm guilty, as a lot of us are, of looking outward before looking inward. You know, and so I think that's number one. And then number two, don't be afraid to, to get, you know, the data that you need to really assess the group as a whole. You know, it's not just a conversation with one or two players. You know, take the time to ask your team how they're feeling about the environment, the off-field, how close is the team, how close do they feel like the seniors and freshmen were this year, um, and where can we improve? And then I think formulate a game plan for your off-season, uh, whether that be a theme, whether that be uh, developing, you know, different strategies for team building. And that's typically what we do the summertime as we head into the fall. So I know that was a long-winded start. Quick question on that. Now, um, you guys do your own surveys. Does, does the athletic department also survey the kids, or do you guys um, sort of take that role of the survey? Uh, they, they haven't, at least some men's across. They, they have done over the years. We've had a couple different uh, opportunities to work with different types of leadership groups. Most recently, uh, Tim Kite and his staff have done an amazing job. They've introduced the, the R-Factor training to our men. In addition to that, we've created a cultural blueprint for men's across that started in 2015 and really is the identity of the program, you know, and so there's some, there's some non-negotiable building blocks that we have, uh, but every team is different, you know, and every year is different and every year is get, you're going to have different strains, you know, so I think being able to survey your group and kind of get a feel for where their heart is when the season ended um, so that you don't feel like you're just trying to be repetitive or in your mind do the things that you think will work you're really addressing the needs of your, of your men. Um, and in that particular group, you know, we, we feel like leadership is, is different each year to a degree and making sure that you maximize your leaders is probably the most important thing that we do. And they have different strengths. They have different, they're, they're in different spots in terms of where they are um, in their growth as leaders. And for us as coaches to just expect that that will happen is a mistake I know I've made, you know, so how do you, how invested are you in developing your leaders so that they don't finish their senior year and feel like, geez, if I had just known that I should have done this, this, and this, or if I could have just been a little better here. Yeah. Um, that's where we as coaches have to step up and, and, and not point the finger and expect something that we haven't trained them to do, you know, be like expecting a kid to know to throw that skip pass to the post, but we've never talked about it. We've never trained it. We've never evaluated it on film. We just hope that he does it because it's the open look. And I think that as, as leaders, um, we sometimes as coaches expect kids to make plays as leaders that we haven't had that the repetitions at or the conversation about or we've been, all right, this is coming. If this is a hurdle you're going to probably face at some point in the fall, let's talk about how you want to navigate those waters. And I think that dialogue, player to player, coach to player, can be extremely beneficial, especially in the offseason as you prepare for your year. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I, I know that a lot of schools and, and organizations will administer uh, surveys, but I think it's so much more powerful when the survey comes from you and your program to your kids with the options of, of being anonymous or not, um, because I think when somebody else does the survey, you know, it can kind of turn into a little bit of a bitch fest. And when you do it, it's like, hey, we're trying to get better here. We, we need it. the truth out of you. Um, and uh, you can say whatever you need to say. Um, but I think when it, when it's in the context of we're trying to get better, it's why we're doing this as opposed to somebody else like, Hey, you know, you know, you get that, you get the kid who's 
you know, didn't get playing time and is pissed about it and all they're doing is complaining. And it's very different and less constructive than what the, the way you guys are going about it, which I, sounds really incredible. And, and the self-reflection is huge. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, the conversation that we had as coach at the end of the year is, is great. There's a formal um, kind of procedure that we have at Ohio State that we do performance reviews. And that's something that Ohio State, every coach administrator does. Um, but in addition to that, you know, we just sit down coach to coach and I meet with each one of my coaches and, and support staff one-on-one -on -one and just ask them, Hey, listen, here's, give me three things that you felt like I really improved on this year, you know, in our working relationship. And, you know, give me three or four areas that, that you feel like are potential growth areas or, or examples of areas where maybe, you know, you feel like I could have, I could have navigated that better. And, you know, you give them a week to think about that. And it's, it's awesome feedback yeah, and right. it's as, as important to do with your players. It is with your staff. And it kind of gives them uh, the levels to playing field a little bit. And as you said, there's nothing, there's no other agenda other than just wanting to get better. Hey, you know, we want to make certain that we're not re being repetitive in an area that's either frustrating someone or has not worked. And, you know, what we do is with our surveys, we share that right back with the team. So, I mean, we give them the feedback. And you, your guys may say, hey, listen, we have to be more accountable in this particular area, or we feel like the coaches were accountable to the, you know, in this area and holding the players, but, but we weren't as accountable as we needed to be. You know, those types of things are really good. And it's impactful when you share that with the team and say, this is what you guys said at the end of the year about who we were, you know, or what we need to do to get better. And so this is an area that we're going to spend more time on, or we're going to bring in a couple guest speakers um, or we're going to dive into this particular behavior because this is a behavior you as a team identified as an area that, that maybe compromised us. Um, so that's, I, I, that's really powerful stuff. And it's a, it's a great starting point as you begin the new year. So you, you uh, referenced a, a blueprint and you've told me a lot about this and, and, and the fact that you've been able to sort of study some of this stuff from the football program across the hall there, but uh, talk to us a little bit about the blueprint for uh, the, the Buckeye way or what's your name of it? What's your name of your blueprint? That's it. And you know that, you know, we refer to it as the Buckeye way, um, our culture, it's a cultural blueprint. You know, Tim has, has been uh, amazing, you know, and getting to know him. Uh, he, I met him through coach Meyer and he now has, has worked with a few different teams at Ohio state, but his, Tim, his, who again? what's his name? Uh, Tim Kite. Yeah. He was a guest speaker this past year at the IMLCA. We were able to get him in and he addressed the coaches uh, but he works all over the United States. His son, Brian, they're a great follow for those that are interested in just uh, getting some coaching nuggets. They both do a really nice job on Twitter, both Brian Kite and Tim Kite. They do some podcasts as well, all leadership based, all cultural building based. Uh, he works with companies all over North America and, and across the seas for that matter, but, but calls Columbus home. And to get back to your question of we developed this, this blueprint and what it really is, is he'll come in and he saw our mission statement at the time that we had, and it was very wordy, you know, and he just said, how many players in your team could, could run that back or would, would recite that offer or, or know that it's really on their heart. And it was a great question. You know, it's something I had developed in 2008, you know, and, and I felt like really embodied who we were, uh, but it was wordy and it was more of a poster than a call to action. And so what we worked on was just he, he and I spent some time together and then we spent some time with players and some former players and staff about just he wanted to know exactly in my heart what is the Buckeye way. When I say that and describe that, what does that really mean? We got on a board and we just started throwing words on there and behaviors and, and outcomes and all kinds of different kind of, kind of really just brainstormed. And we spent a few days and then ultimately what that brought us to is, is these three pillars, you know, and we have – 
in our blueprint, um, you know, your core values at each top, you know, for which us is all in, do your job, we not me. And then under those three, which make them different, because you hear all in all the time, you're, you know, we not me. What we have is very, three very specific behaviors that we think define all in. So if you're all in and buck out of the cross, you do these three things consistently every day. If you do your job, you do these three behaviors consistently every day. And then at the bottom is an outcome, you know, and those outcomes are ultimately what we're chasing, you know. And so I think that for the men, you'll see our blueprint posted in every, every room in our facility, you know, our offices, our locker room, it's in our scouts. And what we try to do, and, and I think we used, it, we used a very similar blueprint with Team USA, um, is you're trying to get a, a team to rally around the chase of the blueprint. It's, it's, it's chasing the best version of you. You hear that a lot in sports, chasing your best uh, versus chasing an NCAA tournament bid or a Final Four or a Big Ten championship. Uh, the chase is us. Our biggest opponent is ourselves. We certainly feel that way. And the blueprint is ultimately what we're going after. And, you know, the outcomes uh, will be a result, we feel, of our ability to consistently live that blueprint. So when, how do you, um, how does this, uh, um, uh, when you think about recruiting, how do you then take your, the Buckeye way and apply it to the people that you recruit? It's a great point. You know, we've, we've come up with what we feel like is a grading system that we use um, for recruits. And we just had this conversation about a week and a half ago. And I'm very fortunate. Coach Ross, uh, as our associated coach, does an amazing job with player evaluation. Um, Travis Crane. Uh, also, uh, in year three on my staff, both do an outstanding job of evaluating. I think the key for us is that we have, we don't have to evaluate necessarily the same way. We all have a little different lens that we look through. Uh, but what are the things that are really important to us that we have to communicate? If I saw a player play and he saw that we know, so it's, it's developing a language <clears throat> using the blueprint as kind of a guide. Okay. So here are the things that the behaviors that are kind of non-negotiable for us and, you know, does this a player that exudes some of those behaviors when he plays? And sometimes you can see that. Sometimes you got to dig a bit deeper. But our grading system for recruiting is, is numbers-based. You know, we have some attributes that are assigned to each number that we know. So if you grade a player, player X is a four, I know what a four is defined as, um, a five, a three, et cetera. So, you know, that's really helped us. And then there's obviously the note portion of where, okay, if he is a four but he has this alert, you know, we're alerted to the fact that this may be a concern with this player, even though he's a four. Um, so, you know, th that's where we've tried to be consistent with our evaluations. Uh, there's so many great players out there right now. When you get down to those kids that are in that, that kind of that, that maybe aren't the, the top, top tier, it's how do you decide between 10 or 12 middies that are all really good and find the one that you feel like could really be the best fit for your program. And that's, that's, that's where the challenge and fun part really lies uh, in recruiting, you know, is making those tough decisions when it's not just a, a no-brainer, and you got to decide when, you know, hey, they're all all pretty good. Yeah, when you're thinking about those that big group of really good, um, and you're really trying to figure out, you know, th these intangibles usually, right? Because yeah, for sure, intangible stuff is all pretty even. It's now it really comes down to the intangibles. Um, maybe talk a little bit about some specifics because there's going to be some parent people on this on this uh, podcast that you know they have kids playing and and their coaches and they want to instruct their kids. So from 
from um, an IQ perspective? What are some of the things that specifically you, you, you look at and look for from an IQ perspective that would be obviously the, the smartest guys play when everything else is equal, right? So how do you, how do you recruit that? How do you evaluate it? Yeah. I think little things, like I always look at post-goal, you know, like after a goal is scored or after a goal is given up, you know, a kid who has high IQ usually is someone that comes into the huddle and has a conversation. You know, that's the one moment that you have six players in the field. A great offensive player. You know, you watch Ryan Boyle. Every time the Boston Cannon scored a goal, he's in there and he's telling guys something. He's giving them a little feedback. You know, he's celebrating the goal, but he's saying something to one player, you know, before the middies run off. And, you know, great players use capitalize on those moments. It's not just walking off and, and showing off because they scored a goal. It's Hey, we scored a goal. They jog in. We, we call it six helmets. Six players converge on each other. There's a celebration moment. There's a brotherhood moment that we did that collectively. But there's also a moment of, hey, listen, you know, that backside's open. Or, hey, move that ball through X next time. Or, you know, look for the follow on the, on the step back. So I think when you see a player take the time to, to have those conversations or they're on the sideline, you see middies, I always think that's a positive thing. Um, you know, you see a player come off after a goal and a coach takes him aside and it's not a blow off. It's a, he walks right over the coach and is interested in hearing the feedback. I think, I think players, what I'm getting at, that crave feedback from each other, give feedback, but also take it, is a very positive sign. Um, same thing defensively. You know, the guy that after a goal gets his guys in there and has a conversation about, hey, that just happened. You know, let's, let's move on to the next one. And he's kind of a glue guy versus just a, oh, we got scored on, whatever type of type deal. So those would be some things that how do you evaluate IQ Obviously, it's the in-game, but I look for those moments between plays where you see, are they, are they giving feedback to teammates? Are they taking feedback? And are they coachable? You know, and if, if, if they have that attribute, uh, that's a huge positive, especially if you're deciding between two kids. That, that can be one that can say, hey, I, I think that guy's got a higher ceiling uh, just based on the fact that he's a good teammate and he seems to be really coachable. Um, and coachability is one of those behaviors on our blueprint, you know, and, and you hear that, how do you, how do you evaluate coachability? And so those are some things that I would say right off the bat from an IQ perspective, I, I would say I'm looking for when I'm just sitting there watching. Coachability is, is both, I think, an aptitude and an attitude. No um, doubt. And so the, the attitude piece refers to, you know, are you, are you engaging, you know? Right. The aptitude piece is, I think, uh, maybe a little harder to – figure out, but I do think, you know, evaluate, but I do think um, the aptitude piece would be the in-game during play communication that you're listening to. I would think that would, would have to be one of the best ways, but what are some other ways or do you agree with that or and, and, and how, what would you add to that? No, I think you nailed it. I do. I think you nailed it. I think the other intangibles that we're looking for, you know, like I said, when you get out of that top five player in the class, like he, it's, it's so obvious he's that talented and obviously there's attributes for those young men as well. And, and they come with kind of a different set of challenges some, sometimes when they first arrive, but it's that next pool of, of talent that you say, okay, is it a non-traditional? Is it a young man from a traditional area? Is it, what kind of coaching has he got? And you start comparing kids to, to some of the guys that you're looking at. These things we're talking about right now come into play very quickly um, in terms of what we saw. And, you know, the player IQ, the type of teammate that he is, you know, how he, the camaraderie he shows, even in a club setting or in a setting where maybe it's a prospect camp and he doesn't know people. We're, we're about to start our prospect camp tomorrow. We've got about 150 kids coming out. We're really excited about the group of kids that have signed up. You know, but one of the things I'll look at is how do they, how do they perform when they get thrown into a pool of kids and they start playing games and, 
you know, what kind of juice do they have? What kind of energy do they bring? How excited are they to play with different players or are they just frustrated? And if a kid doesn't cut through for him, does he yell at him or does he walk over and say, hey, man, what do you think about clearing through next time I come at you? And they develop chemistry. And, like, those are things that are huge in respect to kids that just love the games. That like, when you and I play pickup basketball together, we immediately start talking. We immediately start having a conversation versus a kid that just picks up the ball and just wants to shoot it every time he gets it. Nobody wants to play with that guy. You know, so I think those are some really important things, especially when you have these prospect days and you have opportunities to coach and really look at kids in that respect. Toughness is a little bit different category, but I think that you, you can't um, undervalue. I mean, that that's, to me is such a key piece. You know, these hot days, these summer evaluations, you know, seeing a kid strain, seeing a kid play when he's uncomfortable, um, you know, getting beat, losing by five or six, what's the compete level look like? Um, you know, how does he handle those moments? You know, I, I think that the toughness component, both mentally and physically, is a, is a deciding factor for a lot of our evaluations. You'll hear our coaches come back and say, hey, talented player, average to below average compete level. You know, meaning, yeah, he, he scored a lot of goals. This talent's clearly there, but doesn't grind, doesn't ride every time, doesn't always compete for loose balls, doesn't always fight to get the middle of the field. You know, and those are things that, that can be enhanced, but if that's not there from the get-go, you know, that's, that's a harder thing to, to, to overcome in some cases. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's another big piece just from an effort, toughness, that we look at in addition to the, the being a great teammate in the player acumen. How about um, how important is um, is two handedness for you uh, as opposed to being, you know, more one handed? You you think about you know traditionally we've 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 always been told you know you got to be two handed and certainly there's positions that you probably need to be more two handed than in other than than in other positions. But what's your sort of take on on that as you're thinking about developing your strengths to be stronger or working on your trying to make your weaknesses stronger that's a great point yeah we've had some 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 healthy conversation about that i think um coach ross our offensive coordinator coordinator and i probably have a little bit different philosophies which is i think a really good thing you know we uh we, we kind of talk and you know i think coach is one that teaches the fundamentals of our game especially in the offensive end as well as anybody out there and is a big believer in developing your offhand and, and making certain that, you know, you're capable of doing the things with your offhand that you do with your, your strength. And, and I don't disagree at all. I think um, at the same token, I think there's a, there's a balance there of a, if a young man has the ability to, whether it's throw back behind the back or um, a shovel or, or just, you know, be able to catch kind of here to here versus changing hands. Um, you know, it's kind of a case by case situation. I think it's good to develop kids, ability to use their offhand. So, yes, I, I, I certainly believe that. But I think in, 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 the, in putting your six best offensive players in the field, I mean, we're a team that's traditionally had at least one, if not two, over the past 10 years, uh, Canadians starting an attack. And so that kind of it creates for us, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, differences. If you could have a really two-handed player like a Carter Brown, like a Colin Chell, uh, around a guy or two that maybe has just a really strong right or left, I think that's kind of the best best case scenario, you know, is blending a, a true feeder that can push both sides of goal line, you know, with guys that have that ability to to really play and, and play a little bit differently. You know, it's a different approach. It's a different way of playing defense. So um, my answer would be I, I like 
I like a little bit of both. I like developing guys to be the best lacrosse player they can be. And if they're a natural feeder or they're a natural guy that uses both hands, they should use that as a, as a, as a positive. If they're a guy that's just got an exceptional right, um, you know, I think back to Trey. Trey LeClaire scored a really nice lefty goal down the stretch for us. Um, Eric Fennell scored a few righty goals for you down the stretch last year too. He sure did. And, you know, and again, I would credit Brad for that. You know, Brad's a guy that forces them to shoot with their weak hands occasionally. And I, and I do think, although they don't use it often, they do practice it, they do rep it. And there's a time where a team will just be so loaded up or they're so approach having that strength that when you can show it, it really is positive. So I, yeah, that would be my, my kind of feedback there. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, obviously it's t- completely ideal to be two-handed. I think, to me, the, the issue with trying to teach kids to be two-handed is that sometimes it gets overtaught to the extent that they don't really know how to get their strong hand. And I think that the thing with the Canadians is that they become such amazing experts at getting their strong hand every time that lefty could get over the top of your lefty or underneath your lefty or step back lefty in that level of that's a to me that's a level of IQ that sometimes gets lost with the traditional you need to go down this side right-handed and this side left-handed yeah I agree um cool so let's chat a little bit um about player you know I'm, I'm so into player development um I, I really feel like, um, you know, the X's and the O's part of the game is like a really fun part of the game for everybody, and I'm sure for you. And I love chatting with you about X's and O's any day of the week. But, but I really do think that it really boils down to passing and catching and, um, and these really basic fundamentals of player development. And can you talk a little bit about your philosophy from a pure fundamentals perspective all the way up to how do you develop, you know, a guy like Trey LeClaire who's – you know, you're still going to be working on the fundamentals with him, but you're also going to be able to teach him some pretty high-level skills. And I'll tell you, I like you, you referenced this earlier. There are so many really, really skilled players out there that are 14, 15, 16 years old. They can do just about anything. How do you find that balance between fundamentals and also bringing kids along to being able to use the most cutting-edge skills out there? Yeah. Twisters or whatever. Yeah. No, I think you make great points there. I think – you have to build a strong foundation. You know, I think that's where it starts is like, you know, what's your core when it, when it, when it's a pouring day or you just, you're, you're, you know, you're not playing well, or, you know, at the end of the day, like what's, what's, what's your foundation. And, you know, um, I think that's where we try to start in terms of teaching, you know, are you, a, are you a great ground ball guy? You know, so in the fall, the first couple of weeks, it's like ground ball play. We got to be great at sideline ground balls away, crowded ground balls, escapes, and that's attack, you know, that's D, that's everybody, you know. And so, like, developing a player, as you said, I think starts by being able to bend, by being able to get low to the ground, and your compete level on ground balls. You know, I, I think that's a great foundation for your team. If you're coaching a team to say, hey, this isn't an attack thing, this isn't a goalie thing, this is a developing thing that we have to practice. We want to be better at ground balls. We don't ever spend any time on it. We just expect our kids on game day to be great at it. So we'll spend a lot of our, our first couple of weeks when we first introduce it, and it's just ground ball play. It's different stations. It's different drills. It's getting kids to bend and really be explosive. Some of those have no, no contact, and you build in some contact. You start building in a stick work component, uh, whether that's a mirror, two-pass shot, getting the ball off the ground, communicating, and that's really our, our building block. But we start there. And then I think as you get into position specific, 
uh, skills on the defensive end, it's, it's playing lower. You know, in a nutshell, the, the one thing that we have to just constantly go back to is, our, is how low we play. Lower, longer. You know, and, and can we play at a lower, lower stance for longer periods of time? And that's one of our biggest challenges. And, again, that's a foundational piece for the defensive end. You know, on the offensive end, you know, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a couple things. I think where we start to, to really hammer away at guys with their ability to catch it behind their ear, both hands, you know, butt end catching, making sure that the, that the head of your stick is, is always caught or it's prepared to come right back out versus catching it and feeling like you have to get a cradle or, you know, just, just really minimizing maybe some of those habits that every player has to a degree. And the more we can do that at a young age, the better, you know, but I think that every player has a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, they have a habit they've developed for whatever reason that, that doesn't make them as efficient as they possibly can. So what we're looking at without trying to fix every player, we're saying, all right, what are the things that we need to do really? We want to catch it soft. We want to be able to get the ball out, you know, quickly 11 to one without a cradle. And so we'll do drills where they're not allowed to cradle, you know, just getting players to catch it soft and get the ball out and minimize any cradle or wind up um, to create speed, you know? And so I think if you said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to hammer away at ground ball play. We're going to play lower, longer, and we're going to do a great job of minimizing any extra uh, wasted motion in our throwing and catching. And you did a three-week, you know, uh, training training period on those things. I think you'd find that that's a really strong foundation to build on in terms of your high-level skills, um, your shooting, your dodging, your your cross-field passing, etc. To say, hey, you know, we we catch it soft, we get the ball out of our sticks quickly, and we attack round balls and defensively we play low. I mean, those are those are some really core things. It's so awesome. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got young kids. What, can you, do you mind telling us a little bit about your thoughts uh, about your boys and, and uh, yeah. what, what you know uh, you know you're trying to teach them a love uh, of sports and uh, not probably not just lacrosse, but you know just big picture. There's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of people I hope listening to this podcast that that have young kids and and they want to know what to do. And um, I think that you've got so much experience. Most Division One head coaches and assistant coaches do. Most other people don't. They just plug into the youth sports machine and, and hope that it works out for them. What are some of the things you're trying to do to give your kids the best chance for a love of the game, for growth from the game, and to eventually, you know, be good at the game? Yeah, well, I appreciate the question. And I think uh, I'm very fortunate. I have a, a son who just turned eight and a, uh, and a five-year-old at home, two boys. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've really uh, latched on to in the last year is something that you shared with me, and that was just uh, how important the driveway is. And, you know, we live on a street where, where we have a bunch of boys, and uh, I left this morning at, at 7.30, and Mason was out. He's my older son. He was out playing street hockey in the driveway before I pulled out in the morning. So, you know, we, uh, we just try to create an environment in our house where the driveway is, is – um, it's a special place. I mean, it's not a place that has a lot of rules. It has some framework of things that we know are, you know, it's a no wine zone. You, you hit a single, you hit a push up if there's whining. Guys know that. My kids that come over know that. But, you know, it's just, it's a space that's safe, that's fun, that's enjoyable. Um, you know, kids are hopping in and out of goal. You know, sometimes they're playing games, sometimes they're just messing around. You know, somebody's biking, somebody's street hockey, somebody's hitting the throwback. Sometimes it turns into four square or you, know, you never know where it's going to go. But I think that's a great place to start is just creating a space where your kids want to get outside. They want to pick, you know, I have a big bucket of just hockey sticks, lacrosse sticks, footballs. So they know they can grab anything they want. 
and dad will go out there and we'll, we'll, we'll get after it a little bit, you know, then, then it becomes when you are throwing a football, do you provide a skills cue or not? Are you letting your son throw the football like this? Or are you reminding him to, Hey, you got to remember, you got to reach back when you throw. And there's just a little bit of coaching in there so that there's some skill cues. So when they are repetitioning something like throwing, they're doing it the right way, you know, and they pick up a stick for the first time and they start throwing like this. Well, if they repetition throwing like this over and over and over again, and they never put their arms away from their body, they're going to get really good at that, you know, and that's all they'll know. And so I think those first few moments that you have with your son, whether it's hockey or football or lacrosse, to just give them a thought or two, not a lot, just one or two things to get them started, um, to get those quality reps at a young age. So when they are repetitioning it, they're doing it uh, the right way, you know? And then I think the most, probably the most important piece I would say uh, I would share, then again, this is something I've learned from others, yourself included, would just be, how do you define success? So my third, my, you know, your son's playing, whether it's baseball, lacrosse, hockey, and using that, that second grade to fifth grade threshold, you know, Mason's a flag football guy. He played basketball through the cross this spring is, is how, how, what is success for him? And we, him and I will talk about uh, game ends, you know, Hey, we, we, were you a good teammate? Did you, did you say thanks to your coach? Did you encourage guys when they scored a goal? Did you pat some guys in the back? You know, our strength coach at Ohio State loves to say, you know, you got to dap your teammates up. So that's a big thing. I always tell Mason, how many daps did you get? And that's just high-fiving kids, fist-pounding kids. So he knows that a great day is getting a ton of daps on his teammates and saying, thanks, coach. And, and did you play hard? I mean, did you have fun? Did you compete? Did you, did you fly around? And those are the things that we talk about. You know, those are the conversations that him and I will have. I'll ask him about those two things. And it's a, it's a fun dialogue to kind of hear from an eight-year-old's perspective whether or not he thought he competed and was he a great teammate. And, you know, and we don't talk about a drop pass. We don't talk about a goal. We don't talk about the score. Um, and just trying to get him in a mindset of like, hey, a great day is a day where I played hard, I took care of my brothers, and I was thankful. And if we can consistently do that at a young age, I think you foster a, a passion and a love uh, that can develop that competitiveness uh, as the as time goes on. That's awesome. Um, you are a student of the game. I'm a student of the game. It's, we uh, really became friends over the years, uh, not just competing against each other, against each other, but actually like talking lacrosse a lot. Um, I've got this coach's training program that I've put together, and I'm going to send you access to it. But Talk to us a little bit about how you, um, you know, try to like refine your craft. You know, how do you get better? What do you, what are the things that you're doing as a division one head coach to continue to learn? Um, and then I want to take that and teach it back to the coaches and my coaches training program. But if you don't mind talking a little bit about that, it'd be awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's obviously a ton of growth um, that's needed, you know, and I think that, the, as I said, you know, this is a month where June is, it's a great time to, to really assess your year as a coach. You know, how did I do in the off season? How did I do in season? How did I do uh, in all these different aspects? And then a head coach, it's not just, uh, there's so much that goes into it. It's the offense, it's the defense, it's the strategy, but more importantly, it's did I maximize the people that I was, I was able to be um, associated with? My coaching staff, you know, my seniors, that I create an environment that was really special and that, that was very positive. Um, but you want to get the most out of your, your, your group. And I think that that's always where I look at the same time, 
you know, success for me would be being a, being a great husband and a great father as well as a coach. And you have to look at all three pillars and say, all right, where, where is there growth? And there's always growth in all three. Um, what do I do? I mean, things that I would, I, I try to do is I try to read. I try to, you know, I, I try to find different, you know, mentors that, that are, I really respect and follow up with them, chat with them, ask them about their year, you know, say, all right, where, where, where did you feel like you grew this year? Or what are some areas when you were struggling with this that you did to get better at managing people or developing people? Um, you know, I think that film from a, from a lacrosse perspective, I mean, I watched a couple of games this weekend. I, I'm constantly watching MLL films, NLL films, um, you know, any type of lacrosse, different types of lacrosse that I can get my hands on, um, you know, just to, just to see what's out there, you know, and, you know, and to know, Hey, listen, I mean, we're in a, we're in a situation this August where the rules could change in our sport, you know, which would be groundbreaking for lacrosse. And so I've started to really think in my mind and prepare, you know, what are some different things that, that we could do, um, you know, to put us in the best position to be successful. Cause I don't think you want to be, you want to be proactive, not like reactive. And I think that a lot of times in coaching, you see reactive, you see coaches that are mimicking others and, and that we all do that. We do that um, versus, you know, really studying the game and asking yourselves, all right, based on our strengths, based on what we have, what could put us potentially in the best position possible to be successful and kind of creating your identity that way versus saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's do that. Cause they're doing that and it, and it works, you know, so we're, we're going to do that. And yeah. a lot of times that I've made that mistake and it, it can be costly because it's, it's not ultimately what's in the best interest of your particular group. So that player development piece in the fall um, and figuring out what your strengths are in the off season to then taking that and then really studying film and, and asking yourselves, like, what are the things that we have to be really good at to get the most out of our group? It's a huge, huge piece of our, as coaches, you know, getting better plan. Um, you know, how we develop relationships with not only our, our players, but our incoming guys, our alumni, there's always room for improvement there. There's always, you never feel like you have enough time to connect with as many people as you would like. Yeah. So that's for me, it's just balancing that, that time to say, Hey, we, we, we always want to get better. We always want to get out there and recruit more. We always want to find, you know, another Buckeye potentially, but you know, just fostering great relationships with our, with our current players. Um, had some guys over my house for dinner Friday night that are here in the summer training. You know, that was awesome. It was a great couple hours to check in with them. And, and that makes you better. I mean, it makes yeah. me better as a coach. So I think it's I a want to go back to the, um, yeah, go ahead. A couple of the points that you made, I just want to follow up on those for a second. One is uh, studying film. Two is finding mentors. And, and, uh, and, and, and three is just being a student of the game. Um, you know, uh, I think that's one of the, you know, there's a lot of fun parts about being a, a lacrosse coach and, and um, you know, you, you as a division one coach have access to, endless amounts of film, endless amounts of resources of people to talk to. Uh, we had a mutual mentor in Dave Huntley. Uh, talk a little bit about Dave and how he helped you. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I really missed my conversations with Dave um, uh, a lot, you know, uh, especially when we have conversations like this and start thinking about the guy. But talk about him a little bit as a mentor and, and, and how guys like that can have been helpful for you. Yeah. Uh, what an amazing man. You know, I, I'm, I feel uh, very, very fortunate to have spent the time that I did getting to know coach. And uh, he was someone in the lacrosse world that I, I didn't know, you know, didn't have a connection to initially, just introduced myself to. Um, I remember the night I first met coach. I was in Baltimore watching the MIAA 
and all championships and, and happened to be in the crowd and, and got introduced to him through someone and uh, just told him, said, listen, I, I, I've got such a ton of respect for, for you and what you've been able to accomplish. I would love an opportunity to chat with you more. And from there, this amazing relationship flourished. You know, we got on a phone, we started talking lacrosse and one phone call led to another phone call. Eventually we got him out here to campus a couple of times to just spend time with our staff. And I was so impressed with his philosophy and the things he had to say. And that's just an amazing example, at least for me, of someone that, that came into my life that, you know, I, I had to be all proactive with and in introducing. But then once I did, this amazing relationship uh, came as a result. And certainly credit to coach for being accepting of that. But, yeah. you know, just, just wanting to sharpen the saw and, and to be able to go into that and, and provide him, you know, with some things that maybe, you know, to chew on. And I think the more I challenged him, the more – he enjoyed talking to me, you know, and you love that when you feel like someone that you, you are learning from loves the idea of being, uh, you know, challenged to think differently as well. And, and I always loved that about coach. He was very patient with me. He always said, all right, well, tell me what you think or, or that. And he was very honest. So I don't think that's going to work. Or I don't like that. Or, or, you know what, that's, that's a silly idea. And that candor that he had and, and, and the way he would, would, um, you know, just, share his conviction was was awesome but you know he's his love for the game his love for the players that he coached um his love for 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 his family and for certainly Canada lacrosse as well as what he did in Baltimore was second to none and I just I, I always really felt like that was super inspiring and something that I will always carry with me and I think you know when you find people like that in our game that you can latch on to and, and connect with uh, it does really develop you as not only a coach, but as a, as a person and it's, uh, it's inspiring. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great, great example. And as, as you said, truly miss coach and uh, the time that we shared. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, clearly it's funny because that you put as much time or more time than, you know, as, as let me reword this. When, when you think about a lot of the high school coaches that might be trying to get better, what I don't think they realize is like the idea of sharpening the saw. This is happening now. It's like every day I'm watching film. I'm watching every bit I can get my, my hands on. Um, I'm going to give you access to our coaches training program. My, my guess is you'll check it out because you want to know and see everything. That's kind of how I am too. So I just, I really wanted to get people to understand that people at the top level of this profession are studying the hardest. And I, I think that's just kind of one of the messages I wanted to send. Hey, the last topic I have for you, and then I'll let you go. And I really appreciate all the time is just the use of film. You talk about studying film. Um, one of the things that I've been doing with JM3 sports is I've been doing a bunch of like video analysis of players and utilizing advanced stats. And um, I wanted, and the idea is, you know, it, it, it's, in my opinion, it's impossible to really know or teach appropriately without the usage of film and right. stats. And I just want to get your opinions on that. Not so much that people have to buy, you know, a product from me, but I do think they need to understand that if you're not leveraging film, there is no way you're going to know exactly what's happening out there. And I just want you to touch about touch on the value of film in individual player development. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's an, it's, it's a no brainer, you know, in terms of a player taking the next step with his game, um, you know, it's falling in love with the process. It's falling in love with a wall. It's falling in love with just, you know, having a stick in your hands. Um, but to take the next step, you know, you have to be able to, to assess, you know, you have to be able to truly evaluate yourself. 
And one of the things that we spend a lot of time on at Ohio State is, is players being able to evaluate themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's by junior year, sophomore year, you hope that, you, you know, a player can come into your office and tell you, you know, what they're not doing well and what they need to do to fix it versus early in their career where they just, they don't know, I mean, or they haven't had that, that, that truly breakdown. So I think the earlier that process can start of creating a dialogue where, hey, let's look at your dodges. You tell me what you think you did well. Look I'll tell film, you. Right? Yeah, looking at the film. Exactly. When I say dodges, let's look at 15 or 20 dodges on film. And I want you to write an assessment to me of what you see. And I'll do the same. And a lot of times, the first time you do that, they're very different. You know, and, and I think at Ohio State, if we can get players to look at film very differently, which I think they do after year one, uh, they'll watch a possession and they'll see things in a possession based on our film sessions that they never saw. You know, and, and then you break it down even further into the individual where, you know, you give a defenseman, you know, I'd say, again, 15 possessions. You say, I want you to grade your off-ball play, your on-ball play, and your approaches. And typically, as you, get, as you do more of that, their, their ability to, to assess themselves get better and better. And then that conversation in your office is, is very different. Now it's not, why am I not playing or what do I need to get better? It's them coming to you saying, hey, coach, I think I've improved my approaches this week. I've watched the iPad. I've studied, you know, all practice. I'm right now. I'm at 80% efficiency based on my grade on my approaches, live approaches this week. Um, I'd like to know what your thoughts are. And I want to know if you feel like that that's an area that, that I can continue to improve in, or, or you say, great, you've gotten a lot better there. Let's make it point of emphasis on your slide and recoveries or, you know, your ability to, you know, uh, communicate with, with teammates indirectly, you know, better you know so I just think that's the dialogue that we as coaches always want to have with our players versus you know why am I playing why am I not or I want to be an all-american how do I do it well let's look at the film let's study your game and let's figure out what you're doing really well how we make that better and how do we develop some of these gaps that maybe you have in your game that that, that we need to attack and I think the more they come to you with that and the more you can teach them and the only way you can do that is by doing it for them initially you have to take them through that journey and coach them on how to evaluate through film. And I think what you have done here is, is a great example of that. It's a great um, segue for a player who's learning, hey, how do, I, how do I assess myself? How do I look at film and get feedback? How do I take a player evaluation and say, wow, I thought I was pretty good and I'm not scoring very well in these areas. And, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing, you know. I mean, it's, it, you know, you gave amazing examples defensively, you know, as far as a, a approaches on ball play and off ball play. What, what are some of the, the things that you're evaluating on the offensive side um, when you, you know, if you're going to sit somebody down with, uh, with film, you, you know, you're looking at their, what their dodges, their feeds, their off ball movement? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. And, and their ability to get to the middle of the field, their ability to carry, uh, get, you know, can you, create offense are you a guy that's scoring points but only when the ball is hitting your stick and unsettled meaning we have to create an unsettled situation for you whether that's drawing a slide or it's transition that's the only time you're you're effective and that's great you get a great stick great skills but you're not capable of creating any offense you know and so there's guys that create offense there's guys that are great and unsettled offense there's guys that are great both um, you know, there's guys that, you, you know, to, to specific things that we look for is like, are you carrying a double? Are you creating a double? Um, are you a good communicator in terms of under, like, get, like, being in the right spots in the offense? You know, are you a guy that's outside their straining box when we're drawing a double at five yards? Like, that's bad, you know? And so it's off ball play. It's, 
you know, I think your ability, I think communication is a very underrated thing in offense. I truly believe to have great offense, you have to have a good voice. You have to be able to talk to teammates. Um, you have to have good body language in just terms of like showing yourself or presenting your stick or putting yourself in position. A lot of times guys will have their stick down at their hip or they'll take plays off, off ball. That's a big thing for us offensively. It, it just takes time. You know, you have to be a real stickler on it. Um, coach it, you know, kids don't love it necessarily to repetition and work on off ball plays. So you got to be, you got to create shooting drills. Um, you got to create opportunities where they can really grade themselves out and be tough on each other in terms of their ability to communicate and talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that list is, is lengthy, you know, yeah. as far as the, 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 the core, uh, you know, I think it's the type of shooter that they are, their ability to dodge and draw two and their ability to make people around them better. You know, and I think if you can look at those three things and, and study the film, uh, that's a great place to start. And then obviously those intangibles we talked about, you know, the toughness plays, the ground ball plays, the end lines, um, those, those have to be there. Hey, Nick, um, yeah. great stuff. I really appreciate your time, um, all of your insights. Fantastic. Wish you the best of luck. Uh, come on up to uh, Niagara and Lake Ontario. Maybe we can um, get, get uh, Mason playing a little pickup games with us. Come watch the St. Catharines game or something, and we'll watch some Junior A box. That sounds great, Coach. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for everything. Thanks, Nick. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it was so great having Nick Myers on. It's so obvious that he is as dialed in to the process of being a great coach uh, as, as anybody out there. Uh, his commitment to making himself better, uh, to teach um, uh, his players um, everything from leadership and character um, all the way through to, you know, how to, how to be great lacrosse players is, is really awesome. It's really cool to listen to him talking about his sons and talking about recruiting, talking about evaluation, the power of video. Um, you know, I was asking him a lot of these questions because I'm really interested and he and I have spent a lot of time over the years talking about all of these topics and it was fantastic. So thanks everybody for coming on the Phil Lacrosophy podcast. I hope you got a lot out of this and uh, we'll catch you next time.